The Will Cain Show podcast is presented by the Capital One Saver Card. Earn 4% cash back on dining and entertainment, 2% at grocery stores, and 1% on all of their purchases. The Ryan Rossillo Show podcast. Ryan Rossillo Show on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Will Cain and Sports Center's Matt Barry in today. Just before we went to break, we had breaking news that the NFL has suspended Steelers wide receiver Juju Smith-Schuster and... Bengals safety Georgia local one game each for their actions on Monday night's game last night. Now, I went back, Matt, during the commercial break, and I, and I watched both hits again. And here's where I come away with it. Okay. When we started the show today, we both said, look, that's football. How are you going to take football out of football? Um, I stand by that with Juju Smith-Schuster's block on Vontez Perfect. He hit with his shoulders. He hit in the chest face mask area of Vontez Perfect. The problem was Perfect wasn't looking. And I say it's a problem because of the visual. His body was limp. His body completely absorbed the entire hit. His body went down. But everything about that man looked legal to me. Now, George Aloka's hit on Antonio Brown in the end zone, different. Helmet to helmet, puts his whole body into yes. it, looks like he's targeting exactly at that area. That's a clear violation of the rules. You know what I think the problem is with Juju Smith-Schuster? I don't think it has anything to do with Perfect wasn't looking. I think that it has to do with Schuster. Smith-Schuster stood over him and taunted him. Because if Schuster makes that hit, it's, a, it's, a, it's an ear hole hit in football. It happens on punt returns or interceptions where the, the field has flipped and switched. If Schuster makes the hit and keeps playing... I think we have a completely different scenario here. But the fact that he stood over him like Ali, that he just knocked him out, taunted him, brought attention to the hit, is why we're talking about it. Would Smith-Schuster have stood over him had it not been Vontez Perfect? No. Any other player, he no, doesn't do it that. It was a deliberate, I got you. Listen, we, we played this earlier. Smith-Schuster doesn't, says he didn't even know it was perfect. I didn't know it was uh, perfect at first. Uh, all I saw was, you know, the first Bengals dude that was in the tackle later on. So in my instance, you know, I got a block from my, my teammate. And me just playing ball, um, you know, I hit him. Uh, after I seen the replay, I think I, think I should have held back a little bit more uh, and just, you know, from blocking him. Hey, and, sure, I got straight uh, cash on you. I also, also believe that that's not me. You know, it's I should never stood over him. I apologize for that. And it's called with karma. That, with that, with that being said, um, I hope he gets better. That's Antonio Brown in the background yelling, it's called karma. Yeah, that's Antonio Brown inserting himself into a conversation he wasn't a part of. Juju Smith-Schuster was doing the right thing after the game, addressing the hit, and he sounded like he was being contrite with it and saying, you know, maybe I took it a little too far. Whether I buy that he knew that it was perfect or not, he knew it was perfect after he hit him. He might not have initially known when he made contact with him. He was going within the flow of the play. But when he saw him down there and stood over, he knew exactly what he was doing. Do you believe in karma? I believe, yeah, I believe in karma. You do? I do. What you put out there comes back around? I believe that what goes around comes around. I believe that if you are a bad person, it'll some it'll catch up with you. I believe if you're a deceitful That's person, cute. that will come back to get you. That's nice. I do. I don't believe that. Why? Maybe I've just been hardened from the real world. I want to believe well, the things I you live, said. You think I live in this Disneyland Cinderella mm-hmm. society? Mm-hmm. No, but I believe that if you go about your life living it the right way, that that will bring good things upon you. I believe that your attitude, the attitude that you put out there to the public is going to attract the type of people that are going to come your way. Let me tell you something. I used to believe what you're saying right now. 
I used oh, to believe I did. I used to believe that if you do the right thing, it will come back and pay you back in spades. That if you do the wrong thing, you will attract negativity into your life and you'll see more of that. I don't believe in that kind of karma because I've seen too many people do the right thing and not receive any rewards in this life. I've seen too many people have no success after choosing the right path while people that choose the wrong path are showered with worldly gifts and, and rewards. I think you do the right thing because it's its own reward. I think you do the right thing because it's its own benefit. You do the right thing not because you're going to get some kind of cosmic you know, reward for it. You do it because it's the right thing. The reason I'm bringing this up is okay. I don't think what happened to Vontez Perfect last night was karma. I think what happened to Vontez Perfect was frontier justice. That's all it was. Yeah. I don't think Antonio Brown was using karma correctly. Well, no, I think he was if you believe that exists, if you believe that's what happens. I think what happened is this is hockey, right? This is hockey justice, Texas justice, frontier justice. Sooner or later, if Vontez Burfecht is a repeat offender, the NFL is going to police itself. And now we can have a debate and we can have a conversation whether or not that should be allowed and whether or not that should happen. By the way, Marvin Lewis was asked after the game, is this players policing Vontez Perfect? Is it on the players now to police themselves a little bit better? I don't. I don't. Or the hitting and the late hits and the hitting of the helmet. Well, again, I, I, I can't. I, you know, I can't. I can't comment on what you. I don't understand your question. Uh, you know, yeah, the, there's things in place to, to police this, but uh, you know, I don't know what play you're talking about in question or whatever. So, I mean, you're making a general statement, and probably not for me to make a general comment. I think you meant, Mark, we should players police themselves. The league's kind of done all it can do in terms of suspensions. Well, I think the game has changed. You know, I, I don't know what play in particular you're referring to, you know, if there's a difference. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, football is a, is a physical sport. Why is Marvin playing dumb? Because he has to. What do you want? Like, what, this is like the warden in Shawshank. Don't be obtuse. What would please you, though? Acknowledging that you understand the question. We know what happened. We know what happens when these two teams play. If this was Pittsburgh-Jacksonville, then maybe you're having a different conversation. These two teams have a deep history of hatred and cheap shots. Of course that was players policing each other, Marvin. Of course that's what just happened, and you understood the question. I disagree that it was... I don't think Smith-Schuster went into it like, I'm going to get mine. I think it was a part of the play. He had a clear shot, and he took it. Okay, let me ask you this. Top Gun. If you're coaching New England Patriots, and we had Tim Hasselbeck on yesterday, Ryan and I did, and he said... If I'm Bill Belichick, I'm not sure I'll play Gronkowski in the second Bills game. Like, this is going to come back. This hockey justice, this frontier frontier justice, Gronkowski's hit on Tredavious White. That will be policed by the players. You know what I love, though, and with this, I love the term frontier justice, by the way. (laughs) But why is it in, in football, it's the worst thing ever? This happens in baseball every single day. Happens in hockey all the time. Why is it because it's football, we're all of a sudden up in arms and we're all moralists? I'm not. Hey, the people acting like, like, again, the Shazier thing, take that out of it. Right. That was a, it, was a, it was a freak football play that ended up in a, in a horrible injury. But the other stuff, that's just good physical football that the NFL is trying to take out of it. Well, okay, let me ask you this. This right. is a tweet from our own Josina Anderson. She says, a one-game suspension for Gronkowski looks ridiculous, especially relative to the discipline meted out to Smith-Schuster and Aloka. Regardless of whether Gronk is a lovable personality or not, and regardless of how severe White was hurt, it could have been worse. That's all that matters. That's a tweet from our own Josine Anderson. What do you think the opinion would have been on Gronk 
three years ago, if this happened, four years ago, five years ago? I think it would have been the same as it is right now. I don't. Well, how has his personality and public image changed? Because, no, I, I think that it's different now because the magic words were floated out there. Tredavious White was being tested for concussions. That was the magic word. If this is just a fight or a cheap shot and the concussion word wasn't dangled out there, we're not up in arms about it. Nah, I think it's the visual of Gronkowski loading up on a guy who has his back turned. Look, in the end, I saw people debating last night what's worse, Juju Smith-Schuster's hit or Gronkowski. It's Gronkowski's, man. Well, yeah, because well, neither player was looking. Perfect yeah, was hitting a dude the in the back, though, in the back, with his back turned to you, loading up, dropping your WWE elbow on his head. I don't know that we need to compare these two, but if we are, Gronk's is worse. The Ryan Rossillo Show. Rossillo. Ryan Rossillo Show on ESPN Radio, ESPN News, and the ESPN app. It's Will Kane and Sports Center's Matt Barry sitting in today. It's kind of a huge story, Matt, that Christine Lisi just read. I mean, I know it's not, is Eli Manning a Hall of Famer or is Joe Flacco elite, but the entire <laughs> Russian delegation. Or choose your own adventure in the college football world. But yeah, Man, I can't get enough of that. In fact, let's just come back to that in just a moment. But first, the entire Russian delegation kicked out of the Winter Olympics. And I don't know if you remember this, but this is, I mean, I, I was doing some outside the lines, I believe it was this past spring when these stories came out, but it was essentially the modern-day equivalent of the KGB, which is called the FSB, breaking into the Sochi Olympics, which was the Winter Olympics held in Russia on the last cycle, breaking into rooms, taking urine specimens, swapping them out, because they knew their not not their entire, but a good portion of their athletic base was doping, so they were swapping out sealed sealed cups of urine that are dirty. Mm-hmm. All urine's dirty, but you know what I'm saying here for clean samples. It's like a it's like a spy mystery, a PED issue, and the Olympics all wrapped up into one. So let me get this straight: the Russians did something they weren't supposed to. <laughs> Is that is that is that it? That's yeah. the crux that they they did they did something wrong. Yeah. Right. Meanwhile, by the way, the World Cup's in Russia next year. <laughs> I'm in if we do a thirty for thirty on the on this. Are you in on the Winter Olympics? By the way, no. Coming up, man. I'm not, February. I'm just not into it. Are I you could, into the Olympics? Period. No. You're. Oh my. I'm not. Gosh. I don't. I don't. Maybe like you're the, Russian. I don't even understand. Are you American? Do you bleed red, white, and blue? See, that's the other thing too. Is why is your? I, I'm just sorry. It, I didn't know you were unpatriotic. Happens. You're. Your patriotism is always associated with whether or not you like ice dancing or synchronized swimming. Why is that? If I don't like curling, I'm all of a sudden un-American. Actually, curling's great. And you don't like track and field? Ice. You don't like swimming? You don't like water polo? Who all doesn't right. like water polo? I mean, Doug Kazarian loves water polo. He was a water poloist at the Brown University, by the way. Yeah, I got to beat. I was water polo at Pepperdine. Why is, that the, why is that the next thing? Like, you're unpatriotic if you don't want to watch... You know, equestrian. I think we just found our guy, Saruti. Maybe you and Barry can get together and root for Greece in the Olympics or some other country. Just because I don't like the Olympics doesn't mean I don't like America. That's exactly right. The Olympics do nothing for me. They just they don't. I don't I don't care. Like if there's something big, for instance, like if when Phelps when history's on the line with Phelps, I would watch that. Or the gymnastics when they were going for the the the, the fabulous five, what was their nickname? There's been a couple of iterations of that Fab Five, uh, whatever it was. Know. This last one, I thought that was fun to watch because it was newsy. But overall, would you ever root for another country over America? No, because I don't watch. So you won't. No, no, no. I don't, root I don't at all, like. I'm answer. not gonna. No, I mean, I. 
I just I can't. Sorry. All right. I did scoreboard you on several college football hypotheticals to expose that even in arguments that I agree with, yeah, even yeah. in scenarios I agree with, I recognize the flaw in our own argument. You really nailed it. Wisconsin one got you. Didn't. Here's the thing. I want to sell you. I know you're a hater of this because you've been hating already. I want an eight-team college football playoffs. Okay. Now, let me tell you something. I want it because it would be so fun. It would be so awesome. The main reason I want it is for entertainment purposes. The secondary reason I want it is I do want to preserve this idea in college football that anybody has a legitimate shot to win the national championship. Which they don't. I want to preserve unpredictability. I want to preserve upsets. I want some, not all, just an element of what we have in March for college basketball, for college football. Why? Because, Barry, it's fun. For a guy that doesn't like the Olympics, fun might be hard for you to grasp. But because it's fun. Because I don't... Oh, keep keep going. Tell me this doesn't sound fun. It sounds awful. Here it is. All right, go. All right. Obviously, because it's obvious, if you win your conference, you're in. Five conference champions guaranteed into my 18 playoff berths. The Power Five. The top group of five team. UCF. Into the college football playoffs. All right. That then gives you three wild card berths. This year, it would look like this. One versus eight. One can host it at their own home game. You can be rewarded for performing Clemson versus UCF. Let UCF prove to you that they're not worthy of a national championship. Let UCF prove to you they cannot win it, but give them access to show you. Don't box them out because of your expertise. Give them a shot, and eight teams allows you to give them a shot. You have number two, Oklahoma, against number seven, USC. Number three, Georgia, against number six, Wisconsin. And this Bama-Ohio State debate can be played out on the field in a four-versus-five matchup that is three weeks of glorious fun okay you done yes that's your point yes all right have you enjoyed the semifinals the first three years of the playoff yes you have i know they've been blowouts okay so you watched you watched oregon beat florida state 59 to 20 the alabama ohio state one year one was good that was 42 35 clemson beat oklahoma 37 17 alabama beat michigan state 38 nothing in 2015 Last year, Alabama beat Washington 24-7, to and Clemson beat Ohio State 31 nothing. If you've enjoyed them, you haven't been watching because they've been awful. So you think we should go down to two teams? I think that it's been proven that not only are there not four teams qualified to win the national championship, there's been two each of the first three years. So why would you take that field and double it because you have a convenient argument for one team and your whole argument there Who's the one UCF? team? UCF. No. That was the only one that you could... I want you to hearken back mm, three days. Okay. Did number two just lose to number six last weekend? Clemson uh, or Auburn, Georgia? That's correct. Absolutely. All right. So you gave me what's happened in the first round of the college football playoffs as evidence that there's no way more than two teams have a legitimate shot to win the national championship. By narrowing it down to your argument... To two teams, we can pinpoint who has a legit shot. And I can tell you last weekend, number six beat number two. I gave you a playoff before the playoff with the conference championships. That was a play-in game. Let's hearken back to 2014. You know what your playoff would have been, eight-team playoff boy? It would have been Alabama versus Michigan State, one versus eight. Oregon versus Mississippi State, two versus seven. 
Florida State versus TCU, three versus six, and Ohio State versus Baylor, four versus five. Where was my group of five player? They, you didn't get one that year. Just because I, I went on playoff rankings. There are not eight teams. To get to the point of where you were going to be in the college football playoff, that is why you were playing your games. And to to add teams that have two losses in, by your metric this year, with your eight-team playoff, Ohio State's loss at Iowa means nothing. And I like to protect a sport where the regular season means more than any other this sport. This is my favorite argument. And give me another sport where the regular season means more than college football. You can have seven mistakes in the NFL and make the playoffs. This same argument was made against the idea of a four-team playoff. The same argument, preserving the meaningfulness of the regular season, has been used against every Every attempt to create a real championship game for college football, every time that comes up, the argument has been made for a decade. We have to preserve how great the regular season is. You cannot tell me. You just sold me how important the regular season was this year after adding two playoff games. You cannot tell me that adding one more, three, reduces the meaningfulness of the regular season. It does not. It only means that now eight teams have the regular season to play for. By the way, under my scenario, the Pac-12 championship game would have meant something. USC Stanford would have meant something. Then if you're the U- winner goes into my 18 playoffs. In your scenario, it means nothing. Why? Because we knew that USC Stanford winner wasn't going to go to the 14 playoffs. All right, so then we you're going to tell me USC Notre Dame then meant nothing. No, I'm not saying you're diluting the prior product for the good at the end product, which I don't think is it good doesn't for the dilute. Sport. It. I'm it extending the meaningfulness of the game. I haven't reduced any any regular season games meaningfulness by adding one playoff game. None. You haven't. So what did winning the SEC championship do? Like You have to have an end game to this. There aren't eight teams that belong playing for the national championship this year. Could, could Auburn beat Clemson? Could Auburn beat Clemson? No, they played. They didn't. Could Auburn beat Clemson if they played next weekend? No, on Johnson's unhealthy. They could That's not. why they couldn't they beat could Georgia. Not. Okay. I disagree. I think there's seven teams that can beat number one. I think that number one versus number but seven Will, constantly is we've upset. We've seen it with the top. Four in the semifinals. Anyone who tells you the semifinals have been good outside 2014 Sugar Bowl with Ohio State coming back with Cardell Jones, the semifinals right. have been garbage. And those are supposedly your top four. You're so right. So what we're actually learning is the BCS actually knew what it was doing, aside from the fact of the year that Alabama LSU played for another time in the national championship, and that's what created the playoff mess. i got to get out of here. You're right about the semifinals and the way it's been. But I know that every single weekend, these kind of upsets happen. They can happen in my theoretical 18 playoffs. So you're going to let clock integrity get you out of this conversation? The Ryan Rosillo Show. Rosillo. In life, there are talkers and there are doers. Sometimes it's not hard to tell the difference. Mike Bloomberg has spent his life getting big things done. Starting his business out of a one-room office, Mike built a company with 20,000 employees, all with good pay and quality health care. Elected mayor in the aftermath of 9-11, Mike got to work helping rebuild a shaken city, creating nearly 500,000 new jobs and expanding health care for nearly 700,000 New Yorkers. Now, there's a clear choice. Do you want a debater or a doer? Someone who can fix health care, who's done it. A guy who's unafraid of tough challenges, who has a track record creating jobs, who's taken on the NRA and won. That's Mike Bloomberg, a proven leader who can unite our country and get big things done. That's who can beat Trump. That's who we need in the White House. I'm Mike Bloomberg, candidate for president, and I approve this message. Paid for by Mike Bloomberg 2020. I have to go to the gym. 
and untangle my headphones while warming up on the treadmill. And I'll finally untangle them four miles later, at which point I'm going to be real tired! Oh, yeah! Motorcycles make everything exciting. And when GEICO makes it easy to switch and save on motorcycle insurance, it's even more exciting. And once I put my headphones in, I'll realize my phone's dead! Then I get to run in silence! GEICO Motorcycle. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Now... In studio, NFL insider Dan Graziano giving us the Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Best phones, best networks, no contract. What's up, Dan? Hi, guys. How you doing? What do you want to talk about? You want to talk about, like, the Jaguars? Maybe the Cardinals? The ja- no. The Jaguars are rolling, and the Cardinals aren't interesting until January. So what do you got? <laughs> Giants, I've been talking a lot of Giants lately. Really? For some reason. The it's, Giants. It's as if there's interesting stuff going on down there. It, it's funny, Graziano. More than I when on, I covered them, I'll tell you that. I was on SportsCenter yesterday when we broke the news that uh, McAdoo was out. And then we're right. sitting there with Schefter, and the news breaks that Reese is out. And then you broke the news that it was going to be Spagnuolo was mm. going to be the the interim coach. And this is a friend. This is a proud franchise in pro sports. Forget the NFL in pro sports. How dysfunctional did it get inside that building? Yeah, you know, you're right. I mean, they don't like to make changes like this. Period. Let alone in season. I mean, the fact that Ben Mac Ray Handley got two years. Ben McAdoo couldn't get two full years, so something bizarre went on there. Based on what I've been able to find out, I think it it, it was about embarrassment, right? John Mara's looking and saying, we got three home games left. We're confronting the possibility of banners flying over the stadium, of billboards, of, you know, there was a report that former players were going to show up in Eli Manning jerseys and stand on the sideline. Uh-huh. I mean, like, like if you're John Mara, you think this is not what I want my franchise to be. For God's sake, this is the Jets. I can't be that, right? So I think that's what happened. They knew they were going to move on after the season. They had decided that. So they figured with three home games left, let's cut the cord now and maybe ease out some of the negativity that our fans are feeling about our team. But how complicit, Dan, is John Mara in that embarrassment? How complicit is he in that negativity? Because it looks, to me at least, like... Well, McAdoo and Reese may have deserved the firing on their own merits, on being two and ten and drafting, I don't know, three guys over what's it, what's it been for for Reese ten years who've received a second contract from the team. These kind of things will get you fired on their own. The Eli Manning situation clearly led to this, and Mara is knee deep in that decision. Oh yeah, and he said as much yesterday in his press conference. Right, he said, "Stop blaming those guys. Blame me. I could have I could have kiboshed it if I wanted to, and I didn't." And so. I mean, the thing about that is, like, you're not going to fire Mara. I mean, this he owns a team, so so that's the like that's that's kind of where it stops. So when you analyze these things, yes, of course, at some level, ownership is always always responsible for this. And now they're saying this has gotten so bad, I can't believe how bad. It is. Whoever the GM is going to be, their fourth different GM in 40 years. This is a gigantic, monumental moment in New York Giants history, mm-hmm. and I think John Mara and Steve Tisch recognize that. And decided to get a jump on it. So, so you're right. I, I, if you if you sat John Mara down in an honest moment and and said that to him, I believe he would tell you you are correct. NFL insider Dan Graziano joining us now here on the Rosillo Show. A couple of things to look at with regards to the coaching search. There was a brief trend in the NFL where we saw a couple of organizations elevate their offensive coordinator for a franchise quarterback and get rid of an established head coach. We saw it in Tampa Bay, Lovey Smith, Dirk Cutter for Jameis Winston. They're struggling this year. We see it now. Ben McAdoo out. They have elevated him for the betterment of Eli Manning. These decisions appear not to have worked. Right. Where do you think the Giants need to go 
to move on from this year-plus debacle? I think what the Giants need is a general manager and coach combination that can work in conjunction with each other. I don't think that Jerry Reese and Ben McAdoo were that. I don't think McAdoo was Reese's top choice. Uh, I think you need a clear vision for your franchise. I think it's going to start with the GM hire for them. Whoever the GM hire is going to be in charge of the draft. They've had the same guy in charge of the draft now for for a dozen years, and they've drafted miserably. They need to figure out what their philosophy is for that and for team building. They need a coach who's on board with that and can work well in conjunction with the GM. They've had a real separation of powers there in those two roles historically, and they'll probably maintain that, but they need to have a good working relationship. So in terms of the coach, I don't think we can answer that question until we know who the GM is because the way the Giants work, Mm -hmm. it starts there, and whoever the coach is is going to be in charge of executing whatever that vision is. Well, But let me ask you about a couple names because I think there are names that could actually serve in both of those roles or request to or want to. And I fully understand the New York Giants don't have a history of combining the coach and GM role. But let's start with this name, Jim Harbaugh. How likely is it that Jim Harbaugh could be the coach and GM of the New York Giants? I think it's unlikely, and I think that for that reason. I just don't know that Giants ownership is going to be comfortable with putting all that power in, in, in one person's hands. John Mara was asked about that, not about that name, but about that concept at his news conference on Monday, and he said, my strong preference would be to maintain our traditional structure here, but I'm not ruling anything out. So I don't feel like that's the way the Giants are going to go. So you would also cross off then Nick Saban as a potential? Yeah, I think so. And again, you know, I don't know for a fact that these guys want to make moves to the NFL. I'd be surprised if Harbaugh didn't want to give it one more go, but I I don't know that. I, I don't think that conceptually, is where the Giants are as an organization right now in terms of what they're going after. Are we rolling on this program? Like, could we could we leave, leave this next comment in perpetuity, Saruti? Take Nick Saban off of every yeah. coaching wish list for the history of the rest of his career. Get it out of there. It's going to keep coming up. Do not. Saban is he's done at Alabama. Why would you leave? Why would why would you leave? It drives me nuts when people bring up Saban just to bring up Saban. No, 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 no. That's not why Saban keeps coming up. Why does he keep coming? It up? It doesn't come up because people are like, you know, what would be a fun name to toss around? Nick Saban. Oh. It comes up because Nick Saban, his camp, Jim Harbaugh, his camp, guys like that, put their names yeah. out there to be considered for these jobs. The only question is, is how serious. Right. Is it? Or I'll is it just Harbaugh. to get a little more, you know, shkutol from uh, from money. wherever you, the school is that you're at? Yeah, they don't need. Everybody always wants more money. Look, I'm giving you the Harbaugh. I think Harbaugh's name. I think Harbaugh's name going to be in conjunction with the Chicago Bears. But I think he'll be right. I think there will be a situation that will give him carte blanche. Like if Harbaugh became you just available, think the Giants won't do that. If Harbaugh became available, and I were Adam Gase, I'd be shaking in my boots, knowing how Stephen Ross feels about Harbaugh in Michigan, and Michigan how that's always guy, the guy yeah. he wanted. Yeah, I'm not saying that would happen, but the point is there are teams that would open open the door for Harbaugh and give him what he wants. I don't feel like the Giants are that team. Uh, I could end up This could be end up being played back in two months, and I sound like an idiot, but that's just not how I feel they, they operate. They want a guy with head coaching experience, I would assume. Maybe. I mean, right, because the last guy didn't, right? Correct. So, but, uh, maybe, but I mean, I don't know. I mean, you know, is Josh McDaniels' head coaching experience, the fact that he's had head coaching experience, is that, is that a pro or a con, count, given right? how it went? Um, so I don't know. Look, two years ago... Um, they were interested in seeing if the Bears would, would want to work out a trade for John Fox, and the Bears weren't. I mean, but, but that's a guy that, that's been in their organization that they like. Now, I don't know if that's still true, but I know that's a guy that has ties with Giants ownership that they might be interested in if he were to become available. 
I think it's a wide net, and I honestly, I really don't think we can start narrowing that list down until we know who the GM's going to be. And we don't know that yet. We don't. All right, Dan. Appreciate the info. My pleasure. The Ryan Rossillo Show. We're just trying to sit here trying to figure out the word, the perfect adjective to describe Matt Barry's voice. It's Will Kane, SportsCenter's Matt Barry, in for Ryan Rossillo today. On the Ryan Rossillo Show on ESPN Radio on the ESPN app, the one I'm kind of hovering over, Barry, is gravelly. Gravelly. Yeah, you said that in the uh, TV only thing. Yeah, and by the way, I'm jealous of it. I'm over here sounding like on those those toys you squeeze that honks, you know, a little, little high pitch. Like the kind that I buy for my dog. Yeah, something like that. You're like, please take that away from the dog. <laughs> no, man. Like you've been smoking for 20 years or you've been yelling at a college football game for two hours. That's more likely. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, um, you know, I'm going for the Larry King thing, where I just chew a pack of cigarettes and just go for it. Remember do we even know Larry King smokes? I don't know if he does. We check on that. Do you remember when they used to do it on air? That yeah. How about that, man? I wish that I could get up on sports. I don't even smoke. If they would let me get up on the Sports Center set during a show, smoking a heater, having a cup of coffee, like leaning <laughs> into it, leaning into the and mic, just leaning in with holding the cigarette, like here. He okay. We've got confirmation. Larry King, King, King smoke. But if I could have a cigarette in my hand when I'm talking to like an NFL analyst, and when I don't like their answer, just blow it in their face. <laughs> go well for you. Yeah, that'd go real well nice for work, you. Hasselbeck. Which NFL analyst would be the first? Hasselbeck would get super. Hasselbeck, yeah, yeah. I beat him in a pull-up competition yesterday. It was very embarrassing for him. Man, that's a pro athlete too. Nah, he beat me. He said he couldn't let the guy who argues on first take beat him in a. I see, let me Anything ask you, athletic. This is the first time we've worked together. Yeah. And so are you are you the first take guy or are you the radio guy now? Like what what are you most associated with as you continue to unpack your career here at ESPN? Probably first take. I mean, some people seem to think seem to think it's two different personalities that I'm like oh. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Yeah. Like I hate first take Will, but I kinda like Rosillo Will. Some people can't forgive first take Will. So they won't forgive me at Rosillo Will. Let me come to your defense on that. It's all the same guy, by the way. It is and it isn't because Sports Center me versus Radio me is different because, but in your format, it's a little unique to the Sports Center format where we're doing highlights. We're not really giving opinion. We're not supposed to. And there's time constraints on everything we do. Whereas in radio, you can just, you know, let your, let the hair down and, 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 yeah, just, man. and give it to them. Yeah. Different, but you give your opinion all the time. Look at you That's over what first there take is. And a thermal, just like your rock and Ryan Rosillo's look. It's actually a. It's not a thermal. It's actually cashmere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not Rosillo. <laughs> all right, let me sell you on something that I actually oh. talked about on first take today. Okay. We just talked about this Dan Graziano. I understand that at first blush, it sounds like you're hot taking, or you might be sounding like you're doing something that is extremely unlikely. But I think. And it's more than just my conjecture, by the way. I have reason to believe that Jim Harbaugh is a realistic target and a realistic acquisition for the New York Giants. Now, here, let me lay it out to you why that is, okay? First of all, it's the New York Giants. It's a highly coveted job. It's a big job. It needs a big personality. Ben McAdoo did not fit that bill. Going down the path of hiring Steve Spagnuolo from interim to permanent, or I think even Josh McDaniels, is going to be hard to come in and live up to the billing of that job. Okay. It's got two openings, as we just talked about with Graziano, GM and coach. And I think one of the reasons they're so bold to fire both is they're willing to consider someone who can fill both shoes. That would include guys like Saban or Harbaugh, who wants that kind of authority. 
I got two more. I'm going to turn it over to you to shoot it down. <laughs> Great. Harbaugh's success path yep. has been consistent. Have a quarterback on hand. Andrew Luck at Stanford, Alex Smith and Colin Kaepernick in San Francisco. He hasn't had that in Michigan. Correct. He hasn't had the success. He will have a decent stable in New York. It will be Eli Manning and a top five pick to manage his quarterback position. So Eli Manning, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen. And finally, he's restless, man. Jim Harbaugh, and I'm not saying this to hurt Michigan fans' feelings, he's restless. This His name wouldn't be connected to the Colts, the Bears, the Giants, if he weren't putting it out there. He, as opposed to Saban, and your argument against Saban, which I buy, why would you leave? It doesn't apply to, to Harbaugh at University of Michigan. It's a great job. I think he should stay, but I think he's given us all the smoke signals. He isn't going to be there for 10 years. Harbaugh has been everything that we had hoped he would be in his return to college, which is mouthy, which is controversial, which is a news story. He hasn't beaten Ohio State, which is a problem for the Michigan people. He struggles against his rivals in Michigan State. I believe he's now 1-7, 1-6, and and something to that effect. Harbaugh to the New York Giants, I think, makes zero sense. I think there's zero sense in that. The only thing that I will give you with Jim Harbaugh is – what we know about him is he likes, he's got an ego and he likes to prove people wrong and he likes to win big. Just in his own family, he doesn't like that the other brothers got the Super Bowl. <laughs> he's got a score to settle with the NFL for how he was run out of San Francisco. I believe that it was life's work for him to go back for Bo Schembechler at Michigan and build his alma mater back up to a power. If he doesn't feel like that work has been done yet, I don't think that he will flirt with anybody. But the second that he feels he's leaving Michigan in a better spot than where he came, I do believe we'll eventually see Jim Harbaugh back in the NFL. New York Giants, you don't go from a place, quaint college town like Ann Arbor, to the lights, the media, and quite frankly, the garbage that comes with the job like the New York Giants. First of all, I think you just said he enjoys that. He enjoys the attention. He enjoys the celebrity. He enjoys Bright Lights Big City. But you can get that in Chicago with less aggressiveness. So you think Chicago is a more likely NFL destination than New York Giants for Jim Harbaugh? Yeah, if we're going to play the, hey, where's Jim Harbaugh going to land up next game just because, it would be more like Chicago or Indianapolis. Well, I'm telling you, I don't think it's just because. I think his name keeps being connected because he wants it to be connected, either for leverage, for money, or because he's realistically considering going somewhere else. I just want to say, you know, I love the story of Jim Harbaugh at his alma mater. I think you're right. And I think it'd be nice for him to stay there until he restores it to its prominence. But I don't think that's the history of Jim Harbaugh. The only thing that I believe that you said that was correct with relation to Harbaugh in New York, the Giants being interested, I fully agree with that. Okay. But him actually allowing himself to be a legitimate candidate for the job, I think that's beyond a stretch at this point. Beyond a stretch. Okay, we'll mark it down. Just, just Here, here's a pen. Don't use what, pencil. What's today's date? Mark it down, dude. November, December what, 4th? December 5th. December right. 5th, 153 Eastern. I said that Harbaugh of the Giants, no way. The Ryan Rosillo Show. Rosillo. I've got that electricity charge inside. Energy like the lightning strike. Take one spark and I will ignite. Never stopping, I won't stand by. Now that Human Resources Director Ryan Lee has Kronos for HR, payroll, talent, and time, he's really on top of his game. He even has his own hype song. I'm the best beyond belief. 
I got strength and got the speed. Entire workforce, complete with different hours, skill sets, and pay grades. No, nobody catching up. They're not fast or strong enough. I got that electricity charging inside. Take one spot, yeah. I'm attracting and engaging the best people every step of the way. Never stopping, I won't stand by. Kronos, HR solutions for the modern workforce and the people who support them. Learn more at kronos.com slash HR swagger. Never stopping, I won't stand by. Will Kane, Matt Berry, Sports Center's Matt Berry in today. For Ryan Rosillo, subscribe now to 30 for 30 podcast in the Listen tab of the ESPN app or Apple Podcast brought to you by ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Try it for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash 30. Coming up in just a bit, by the way, we have Terrell Davis. Terrell Davis. Terrell Davis. And see, Ter- Terrell Owens came in and threw Screwed off the pronunciation. Everybody. Yes. I agree. Terrell Davis. It was always Terrell Davis until Owens came on. Anyway, he's going to be with us in just a little bit talking about the game last night, what's going on in Denver. Quarterback issues in Denver, perhaps coaching changes in Denver. There's rumors of that. Mm-hmm. Is Vance Joseph on the hot seat? But speaking of coaches, coaching changes, coaching carousel, Barry, let's go through what's going on in college football right now because we got – what do we have right now? We have a Tennessee job that's been open forever. Yeah, yeah, Tennessee's still open. It looks as if you can have the Oregon job open, which I'll get to in a minute with Willie Taggart if he goes to Florida State. ASU was just filled with Herm Edwards. UCLA was filled with Chip Kelly. Florida was filled with Dan Mullen. The offensive coordinator from Penn State goes and takes the Mississippi State job. The Ole Miss job was filled by an interim head coach. Nebraska was filled by Scott Frost. There were a ton of jobs open this year. Florida State's hanging out there. you got Florida State and Tennessee uh, hanging out there right now. And I can't remember the last time that we saw so many big-time programs have openings. Uh, Texas A&M filled by Jimbo Fisher. I mean, if you look at the SEC West just in and of itself, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Arkansas still hanging out there. Mm-hmm. You had, what was the other one in the SEC? Mississippi State open because of Dan Mullen, Ole Miss, Arkansas. There were numerous jobs that were open. SEC, you had Florida and Tennessee on the east. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was a landmark year in the coaching carousel that I thought was a bad look overall for college football. We have UCF just filled by yep. the hiring of Josh Heupel. Reports over the weekend were that Kevin Sumlin was going to be the coach of UCF, that he was offered, but he was given the ultimatum to make the decision by Sunday. He put it off because of the potential for Willie Taggart to move on from Oregon after one year to Florida State, perhaps opening up Oregon then for Kevin Sumlin. So in the meantime, UCF says, we're not waiting around. Sorry. I don't blame him. You're an Arizona State fan. (laughs) Well, look, I don't blame him for, for moving on. And I don't blame someone for not taking it. I mean, he's look, Texas A&M has to pay him $10 million in the next 50-something days. So that takes UCF off the list. As you said, you got Arkansas, Tennessee, possibly Oregon, Florida State sitting mm-hmm. open right now. Here are the names right now. Taggart, which most people are, as you said, connecting which, which to angers, Florida that State. That angers me not for Florida State. It angers me for Oregon. Why? Because they did an exhaustive search last year to replace Mark Helfrich. And I don't think that a coach should be allowed after one year to just bolt. Not be allowed to? I don't think he should be allowed to. There should be you something can't move in the jobs like you? Not in one, I mean, after one year? They do have you, things in their contract, buyouts. Well, apparently it doesn't matter in college coaching. I don't think no. you should sit there and sell yourself to recruits in a fan base and boosters and say that this is a great job for me, it fits, yada, 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 and then the second a more attractive offer comes open, you can just bolt. 
Well, but it happens all the time in the real world. I get your argument that maybe it's not ethical, but you can't stop somebody from moving you employment. You can't stop someone, but ethically it's horrible. Okay, agreed. Kevin Sumlin, Les Miles is still out there. I'd love Les at Tennessee. I don't know if Braum is locked in at Purdue now. I don't think they renegotiated his contract. They did something when he when he said no to Tennessee. Chad Morris has been connected to a couple of these jobs. Kevin, that's a good football coach. At SMU, you at like SMU, Chad Morris? I love Chad. That, that's a good up-and-coming young football I've coach. I've heard his name mentioned in regards to Arkansas. Kevin Steele, defensive coordinator at Auburn. Mel Tucker, who I just saw up on SportsCenter, is interviewing at um, at Tennessee for the second time. He's yep. the defensive coordinator from Georgia. Yep. Mike Norvell from Memphis. Mike Leach, anybody wants to have a good time, Mike Leach is there. It's going to be interesting, especially with the job, the Arkansas job. I think that's that's one to watch to kind of get an indication of where they want that program to head. Brett Bielema was a splashy hire after what he did at Wisconsin. But I keep throwing this name out here, and I think it would be the most interesting. Get Lane Kiffin back in the SEC, and particularly in the SEC West where he's got to face Saban every year. He's going to get a job. I don't know when it's going to come or where it's going to come, but he's going to get another big job I was hoping Malzahn would take the Arkansas job so the Auburn job would be open for Lane to just run in there and just cause all kinds of problems. Quickly, let me ask you. If you're Kevin Sumlin, you're fired from Texas A&M, but you're still a hot coaching prospect. You have real chance and likelihood to get another big-time program, but maybe not the biggest, right? You're talking about, I don't mean this as an insult, Arizona State, maybe Arkansas, maybe mid-Power 5-type schools. Do you take the UCF job? It's clearly a springboard. Right. That's Meaning the argument that if for you it. go down there and they've got a ton of talent, which I think that Scott Frost did a nice job of bringing that in, if you go there and continue that success, and then you can prove Texas A&M is an unfair job to judge someone by. I mean, it really is because the standards that they had there, they've won a national championship since the 30s, I think. And you're in the same division. You automatically start the season fourth behind Alabama, Auburn, LSU. That's a tough job to judge somebody by. Well, I think you you put it right. UCF, at first I'm like, why would Kevin Sumlin take UCF? But the truth is, a school like UCF is a great springboard to the top of the college football feeding you know, pyramid. Whereas if you end up at Arizona State or Arkansas, it's hard. You really have to succeed in a more difficult environment to then move on. Like what Dan Mullen just did is very rare. Remarkable. To go from Mississippi State to Florida happens very rarely. And it's hard. That's why, because it's hard. Anyway, uh, so what are you guys saying? Lewis Riddick just went off. Lewis Riddick just went off on NFL Live about Juju Smith-Schuster and Georgia Loca were suspended for the hits they laid last night. This is what Lewis Riddick said just a moment ago. What's interesting to me, though, now is when you look at the Gronk situation and you look at the Mike Evans situation and you see, okay, now you just see the end result one game for Gronk, one game for Georgia Loca, one game for Juju Smith-Schuster. How can you not subjectively sit here and say what Gronk did is much worse? How can you not? How can you oh, not yes. say I don't that. think you can. Yeah. I asked so how, yesterday. How, so you know what people, I, now the next question is going to be, well, how can you give him one game yeah. and give Juju Smith-Schuster one That's game? Exactly how, can you make that, how can you make that comparison? But the league right now, if you want to change the game, still keeping the game at its base the same, if you want to start disciplining people, you better come up with a better way of being consistent about this. Because when you do this where it looks exactly like Tim said, when you're disciplining off the net result and it looks like you're being reactionary, like, let's take the temperature. Let's see what people yeah, are saying are about be, this. If we, if we are sustain, they going to be mad? Yeah. Let's hit them. Th- if they're not going to be mad, mm, like you, here's a fine. You he, can't do that. I agree with Lewis. He said something in there that we had talked about in the first hour of the program that I believe is what you should take out of that. If the NFL wants to change the game while keeping its base. 
I don't think that's possible. What I took out of what he just said is I see this rampant in everything right now. Letting the tail wag the dog. Letting the reaction dictate your choices. Whether or not that's the University of Tennessee gauging Twitter outrage on their hire of Greg Schiano, Whether or not that's the New York Giants letting the entire fan base rightfully outraged about the benching of Eli Manning determine the future coaches and GMs of that franchise, or the NFL measuring the public outrage about some hits on a Monday night football game and then dishing out punishment. We have a bunch of spineless people out there running organizations that don't have the courage of their own conviction, the courage of their own decisions, that constantly stick their finger in their mouth and up into the air to see which way the wind is blowing. If you believe something, say it. Trust me, they'll call you a hot take guy. Trust me, they'll tell you you're an idiot. They'll tell you you're wrong. But if you think you're right, stand up for what you think is right. Don't wait for the public reaction to find out what you think you ought to be doing, what your position ought to be. But somehow we ended up with a world full of people who only know how to measure, not be able to decide, and they run things. There's entirely too many measurers running things today. Sorry for that rant. I feel good? Yeah. It looked like it felt good. The Ryan Rossillo Show. All right, so I see Saruti stepped out. This news, we don't have it for sure yet, right? All right. There are multiple reports. That's it. There's college football news brewing out there. We're trying to get it confirmed. Whether or not there's going to be a big coaching move, one that Matt Barry would not like. So let me put this hypothetically to you, Matt. I just want to do this hypothetical. Okay? People say we don't understand karma, by the way. Uh, hypothetically. All right. If Willie Taggart left Oregon for Florida State. Purely hypothetical. How would you hypothetically feel about that kind of scenario? I think it's garbage for a coach to do one and done. You're looking at it now. Hypothetically speaking, if this were to go down, you'd be looking at a coach coaching at three schools in 365 days. South Florida, Oregon, and Florida State. How is that good for anybody involved other than Willie Taggart? Well, any coaches he brings along with him. Well, you think that's good for their families? Well, yeah, they're, they're getting as much as I respect jobs, coaches. As much pay. as I respect coaches for their leadership qualities, and I think numerous coaches have very, very good messages and leadership qualities, like an Nick Saban and an Urban Meyer and a Dabo Sweeney and some of these guys. Some of the moves they make are so selfish and self-centered, it drives me nuts. All right, we can take the hypothetical out. Oh, good. Okay, so reports are Willie Taggart has accepted the job as head football coach of Florida State University. Which was a no-brainer from Florida State's perspective. And Willie Taggart's, if you're looking at the fit. All right. The problem was him leaving for Oregon. So this is a big domino to fall. Very big domino. That means now the University of Oregon job is open. What is your, where are you putting your money on where that job goes? Go get goes? Kevin Sumlin. Just go get Sumlin. I think Someone's Sumlin is s- an interesting name to think about for Oregon. I think, you know, Oregon has this reputation as a like offensive, you know, creative, explosive powerhouse. That's what it kind of made its name on with Chip Kelly and Mark Helfrich. I mean, I have to. Does, does Mike Leach make sense at Oregon? No, I don't think he'll go inner inner division, inner conference. I'm more just. I'm more. I'm angrier about Taggart doing the one and done. You sat in kids' living rooms. You were just in Arizona recruiting. You were saying that I'm going to get Oregon football back to the Chip Kelly days. And we're going to be fun and exciting. And then you leave less than a year later. 
When does Les Miles' name come back? I don't. I don't mean to reciprocate. I'm not reciprocating your passion for that. I just feel like you, you want. Flo- I, I get it. There's some. There's some lacking of ethics in moving around when you've made promises to parents and players. But I think you know he's getting a better job. Freedom of movement is important. I mean, this is you can't pass up Florida State, right? You can't do that. Someone did point out it is a good point that I said Lane Kiffin needs to be back in the SEC and he's only been at FAU for one year. Inconsistency from Matt Barry. That is a good. That's that's, <laughs> that's good to point out. But let's be clear: if you thought Lane was doing anything at FAU other than proving that he belongs as a head coach, then you're misled by him. Does Les Miles' name come up with any of these jobs? It's what is going should. on? Seventy-five percent of his games at LSU. Hire him at Tennessee. I've heard he's not being considered. The knock on Les is that he couldn't take NFL talent and develop. All right, it. Will Kane, Matt Barry, in for Ryan Russillo today. It's been fun, buddy. Thank you for listening to the Ryan Rosillo Show podcast. You can check out the show live weekdays at 1 Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on ESPN News. The Ryan Rosillo Show podcast.